You're listening to the Avenue Church Podcast. Our desire is that this message will inspire you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. For more info and to connect with us, visit us online at theavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome home. Glad that you are with us today. So excited to have you. We knew that August would bring about people coming back into the church, people bringing their friends and family, because we're ready to get back to normal. Are we not? I'm not talking about a new normal. I'm talking about regular old normal. And you missed this morning at 945. I'm telling you, it was an incredible experience in this room. We just saw God just move in such an incredible way. We saw 26 people follow the Lord in baptism in this one service. And that was just beyond my belief. And my prayer for you today is God, do it again. Do it in this room. Do it in the Ennis campus. Do it online. For many of you are watching online. God has something incredible for you today if you'll just hang on and you'll just listen. For those of you that have come back, this is your first time back. We started a series a few weeks ago out of the book of Malachi. The book of Malachi is the last book written to the church or to the people of God right before Jesus comes. There's 400 years of silence. And so God, when he speaks to his children, he is giving them some information that they need to hold on to for quite a while. And he speaks to us. He's speaking to us through this book today. The people that he wrote to all those years ago were followers of God who, for lack of a way to say it, were disillusioned with him. Now, they continued going through the motions. They continued going through and showing up at the temple. They continued to offer sacrifices, but their heart was not in it. You see, for a hundred years, they had rebuilt the temple of God. For a hundred years, their grandparents and their parents had followed God, and they expected God to do some incredible things in which he had not done. So they were frustrated. They were disillusioned. They were disappointed. Sound familiar? Maybe for many of you, you're in that very same seat today. For many of you, you grew up in the Christian faith and you know that church is important and you want your kids to be here. And so you show up week after week or maybe every other week or maybe once a month and you do believe in God, but you're just disillusioned. You're disappointed. Things haven't worked out the way you expected. See, the children of Israel expected God to bless them in such a way that they would throw off the nations around them and they would rise up and they'd have this incredible economy and their life would be easier. But it wasn't. They'd watched for three generations, going through the motions of religion, doing the things they thought they were supposed to do, but God did not show up in the way they expected him to. So God has a word for them. And it's the same word that he has for us. If you're here today and you're disillusioned by God, disappointed, wondering why he hasn't shown up like you think he should, he's not responding in the ways that you expect him to respond. I mean, our world's in a mess. I mean, we have a a pandemic, we have people dying, we have political upheaval. It's a mess in our own personal lives. There are things that God could fix in an instance, but he hadn't. And so maybe you are like them, you're disillusioned, you're upset, you still believe but you're just hanging on. That's where we find the children of Israel. And he begins his letter to them, his message. He writes to a man named Malachi, which means my messenger. And he says, I need to get this message to my children. And the same message applies today. He says, first of all, I want you to understand 
I love you. First words out of his mouth, I love you. And the children of Israel respond the same way some of you do. Really? Do you? Not a question, an accusation, right? Do you love me? Because I don't see it. So God says, I do love you. I've chosen you. I've chosen you as my own. You are special to me. And as a child of God who's disillusioned, disappointed, and frustrated with him, you say, doesn't mean much to me. And you accuse God. And then God, being the good father that he is, calls a family meeting. He says, you know what? Let's talk about this. Let's fix this. Let's get down to the root of the problem. You're disappointed in me. You don't believe I love you. You don't feel blessed. You don't feel chosen. Let's have a family meeting and let's talk about what's going on. Let's get down to it. So he calls a family meeting. And in this family meeting, he begins to lovingly point out where we felt, where we're not doing what we're called to do. And the children of Israel are faced with this. And he begins to say, he said, listen, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. So in the family meeting, he starts out with a father has honor, a master has respect. You have neither. Now, if you feel close to me as a father, you should respond to me as a father. Honor is important to a father because even in the Old Testament covenant, the the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment is what? Honor your father and mother in the Lord. Honor your father and mother. He goes out from the beginning. If we are to honor our earthly parents, how much more honor should we give our Heavenly Father? How do you honor your father when you live in his home? You obey. How do you honor the father when you're out of his home? You respect. He's saying, you have no honor for me. You have no respect for me. And he takes a step further. He goes, okay, let's say you don't feel close to me as a father. I am your master. You say you're my people, which means I am your master. You are a slave to me. In fact, it says in Psalms, behold, the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master. So our eyes look to the Lord, our God. So let's say you don't want to cross over into the line of he's a loving father. If he's a creator of the world, if he's a master of your life, Where's his respect? God reveals and says, you should give honor. You should give respect. I don't get it. The point he's making is very simple. Because he's father and master, or maybe father or master, he's in a position of authority over our lives. He's cared for us. He's protected us. He's provided for us. So where's the honor and the respect? In fact, he goes into verse six and he says, you priest even despise my name. You say you believe in me, but you do not live for me. You despise my name with your actions. On the outside, you say I'm a follower. On the outside, you say I'm a believer. On the outside, you say I'm a Christian. But on the inside, there's nothing. Nothing. Where's my honor? Where's my respect? Another way to say it is I am worthy of your worship. What does your worship look like? Are you worshiping me? What does your worship look like? Here you are, instead of paying homage to God, you're willfully disobeying me. You're openly disrespecting me. If God is worthy of all those things. Now in this time, an act of worship 
He had a system. It was called a sacrificial system. And to those of us in 2021, this is a strange system. This is a system where if you were bringing something to God, the first of the fruit, the first of every livestock, you were to bring it to God and sacrifice it to show that you trusted him completely. If there was sin in your life, you were to bring an offering to atone for your sin. Now, for you to understand this, it's all a foreshadowing of the incredible gift that God gave us by sending his son to die for us. And so the Old Testament, they're going through these motions. This is an act of worship for them. He says, let me show you how you honor me in worship. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? You're supposed to be bringing your best to me. You're supposed to be bringing the first fruit, the firstborn. You are bringing me animals that you cannot use. You are handing me leftovers. When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? And then he says something that I think is so powerful for today. He says, I wish that one of you would shut the temple doors. If you're not going to worship me, close the church. If you're not going to worship me and bring me your best, don't show up. Close it down. Don't light the fires. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will not, expect, I will not accept an offering from your hands. So how does that apply today? Have you grown comfortable in the presence of holiness? Are you indifferent? Has the fire that once was inside of you dwindled or gone out completely? Has your heart grown cold? Or is your worship like the people of Israel? Nothing more than leftovers, complacent, lazy offerings to the king of kings? Do you show up for church and just go through the motions like the people of Israel, bringing those leftovers to God? Are you giving him half-hearted worship? Are you acknowledging him on the outside, but your hearts are far from him? This happens quickly. And we understand it in the last book of the New Testament. It gives us a warning. In Revelation 2, it says, Remember from where you've fallen. Repent and do the deeds you did at first. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Was there a time in your life that you were on fire for God? Was there a time in your life that you were passionate about his word? Was there a time in your life that you were excited about prayer? Was there a time in your life you were excited about coming to church, learning the word of God, listening, singing the songs of praise? Was there a time that you were excited about following me? But now, you show up late. You show up half asleep. You watch other people sing. You half-heartedly listen to a message. And you walk out because you've gone to church. Are we any different than the children of Israel? He says, where's my honor? Where's my respect? Remember the height from which you've fallen. Now, I know you've got a lot of things going on in your life. I get that. You've got families to raise. You've got jobs. You've got bills. You've got health problems. You've got a world upside down. You've got to argue about mask and not mask and vaccinated and unvaccinated. You've got all that to do. But Jesus talks to one of the women in the New Testament in such a way that really puts it in perspective. Her name was Martha. And Martha was busy planning and preparing and putting a meal together for Jesus and the disciples. She was busy. And Jesus looked at her and said, Martha, Martha, 
you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Only one thing is necessary. So how do you show up for worship? Do you get up early? Do you read the word of God? Do you confess your sin? Do you show up for church ready to hear a word from the Lord? What is it like for you on Sunday mornings? What does your worship look like? Are you giving? Are you giving that first fruit, that first tithe? Are you serving? Are you gathering around and finding somewhere in the church where you can bless somebody else's life and do something to help them? Are you truly worshiping God when we go through this motion? Are we offering lame animals and blind animals to God? Are you praying? And I'm not talking about praying before you eat. I'm not talking about that awful prayer my parents taught me when I was a child. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, what kind of nightmare is that prayer? I mean, are you praying? When's the last time you had a long conversation with God? Are you caring for others? Are you doing the very things that are supposed to exemplify that we love Jesus and following Jesus? Are you offering your best? Are you just going through the motions? Are you honoring him with your time? Are you offering him your talents? What about your temple? You know, God doesn't reside in a temple built by hands anymore. He says he resides in you. Are you taking care of yourself? Your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health? What about your treasure? And a lot of you get caught up there. It's not really about money, it's about the heart. Do you trust him or not? What about being obedient? Are you obedient to the Lord? Today, we get to see an example of obedience. It's the most exciting example that we get to watch together. It's called baptism. Now, I know baptism is very confusing because denominations have really confused it. But it's not that complicated. It's just simply being obedient to God. Baptism is when you have accepted Jesus Christ in your heart. Now, I want to talk to a few of you just a minute because some of you, when I talk about going back to that first love, when I talk about that fire that was in your heart, when I talk about that passion, you've never had it. You've been in church your whole life, but you've never had it. Maybe you experienced something at youth camp, but you've never had a burning fire. You've never enjoyed worship. You've never enjoyed reading the Bible. You've never enjoyed prayer. Let me be very clear. The reason for that is you've never had Jesus Christ in your life. You're not supposed to say things like that. I say things I'm not supposed to say all the time. You're going to hear some more of them. But it's out of love. I want you to hear me. If you have stumbled through church your entire life without passion, without drive, without fire, it's because you don't have a holy savior living inside your life. If you can live your life in sin, never looking back, never feeling convicted, never being drawn back to God, it's because the Holy Spirit is not dwelling inside you. And we can fix that. God loves you. God chose you. And once you pray that prayer and accept him into your heart, everything changes in your life. And the first thing he says is, I want you to go and be baptized. First commandment. I want you to go and be 
baptized. That's what obedience is. We have some people here today that are gonna live out the example of obedience right before you. It's incredible. It's so much fun to watch. God says, I want you to be baptized. And so many of you look at me and go, why? How many of you have children? Do you enjoy when you tell them to do something and they ask you why? Don't we just want to say, because I said so? Don't you think some of you having that conversation right now online in Ennis? Why should I be baptized? Don't you think God's looking at you going, because I said so. Be baptized. Now, I understand we've confused the word baptism. We get all freaked out. Churches have done a horrible job with it. Do you know what baptism means? Dunked. That's it. It's a Greek word. In fact, it's such a common Greek word that if a, tri- if a, if a ship sank, it baptismoed. Woo, how spiritual is that? It's not. If you want to make a pickle, you baptismo a cucumber in vinegar. So where did we get this word? In the 1600s, they were translating the Greek Bible into English, which is the greatest thing we've ever done. They translated it into English, and when they came across this word, they knew Greek, and they knew it meant immersed, or our word, dunked. And they went, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to do with that? See, because the practice of the Anglicans and the Catholics were to sprinkle infants. And so they looked at that and go, man, if we write immersed, if we write dunked, they're going to burn us at the stake. I got a great idea. Let's transliterate the word and call it baptism. Whoo, that's so much better. We can get away with that. So all of a sudden, we got this fancy word, baptism, that sounds spiritual. But all it is, really, is being dunked, being immersed. It's like, okay, I've given my life to Jesus. The first thing he says is, I want you to show the world that you belong to me. And the way we're going to do that is you're going to symbolize your old life is gone and you've been raised to walk in Jesus Christ. It is a beautiful symbol. And churches have messed it up. Baptists argue with the church of Christ because is it for salvation, is it not? Catholics argue with everybody. Because you sprinkle that infant and you're done. And that's fine. Nothing wrong. That's fine. But I want you to know, if you got sprinkled as an infant, infant, you had no choice. It was for your mama. And we do the same thing. I mean, we have parent dedication. We want to raise our kids in a godly way. We want prayers. That's what infant baptism is. It's not biblical. Nowhere in the Bible. It's a tradition and that is fine. But it's not biblical baptism. Because it's not immersion. And it's not after your conversion. And so I want you to see some things about this. And I don't care what tradition you grew up in. If God says something and we believe something else, we're wrong. So God says some things about baptism. First, it says it's a priority. In Acts chapter 2, when people were repented and got saved, they immediately went down and got baptized. We do that here. I have people that get on to me like, oh, we got to talk to him. I don't care. I'm not... It's between you and God. Well, if somebody gets baptized over, so what? That's between you and God. Now, I want you to understand baptism. I want you to understand it's a priority. Once you accepted Christ, you go, and it's a public thing. It's a priority in our life. It's a beautiful symbol. It's the first thing he tells us to do. Can you imagine for a minute if my wife said on our wedding day, I'd like you to wear this ring. Symbolize our relationship. 
And I'd have went, eh, think I'll pass on that. That'll really mess up my dating life if everybody knows. But that's what some of us say about God. Uh, I don't think I want to do that. See, I'll do that in private. Well, God wants you to understand it's a public declaration. It's not a private matter. I don't know if you say religion is private. Never says that in the Bible. Religion is very public. Christianity is very public. And I know you have some objections. Some of you are nervous. I get that. I'm nervous. Every day I stand up here, I'm nervous. You know what else I was nervous? On my wedding day. Anybody in the room got married and you wasn't nervous? Did you go through the wedding or did you give up? Did you say, I'm too nervous to get married, I'm out. Why did you go ahead and do it through your nerves? Because that relationship was that important to you. So today, if you're too nervous to get baptized, that relationship needs to be more important than your nerves. Some of you go back to my parents had me baptized, and if I go home and tell my mom that I got baptized again, she is going to go out of her mind. My family was Catholic. I get that. I, I get that. But really, do you want to look at God and say, my mama didn't want me to get rebaptized, God? And my, 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 my mama said, no, is that what you're going to do? My mama said, of course not. So you can't let your parents' decision to get you baptized be your baptism. It has to be in order. It has to be in order. And that order, 27 times baptism is used in the Bible, or our word dunked is used in the Bible. It's always after a conversion. So who needs to get baptized? Those of you who have accepted Jesus in your heart. Now you can say, well, I got baptized when I was six. Did you understand it? Did you do it because Jesus was in your heart? Or did you have a conversion sometime later? If you did it at six, you just got wet in public. It didn't symbolize anything. You can wear a wedding ring all day long. Until you're married, it means nothing. Well, baptism means nothing if you do it before conversion. So it needs to be done in order. So I want you to understand that. Now, I don't want you prodigals to get confused. Because some of you, prodigal is someone who moves away. Some of you truly had an experience with God. You understood that fire. You understood that passion. You accepted him as your savior and you were baptized, but you have forgotten and you haven't lived it for a long time. And you say, well, maybe I need to get rebaptized." No, you don't. You just need to live like you were baptized the first time. That's all you need to do. Just start living that way. You don't have to get rebaptized. You remember the height you've fallen. Go back to that fire. But listen, if you've never felt that fire, you need Jesus. And if you pray to receive Jesus, you need to follow him in baptism. Today is that day. Some of you didn't know it, but you're going to get baptized today. We knew it. We're ready for you. We have shorts. We have shirt. We have everything you need. If you're going to lunch after, we have hair dryers. We have everything you need. If your mama's not here, we're going to take a picture of you. You need to be baptized. And you know if you need to be baptized or not. That's not something you pray about. When I leave church today, I don't have to pray about whether I should rob Walmart or not. Dear God, should I rob Walmart on the way home? Of course not. God, do I need to be baptized? Of course, yes. So I want you to follow. Now, I'll tell you something about what happened this morning that was just so much fun. On Tuesday, we went through how we're going to baptize during the service. And I asked how many people are signed up. And they said 15 people are signed up. And most churches, that's a hallelujah day. For most churches, that, that's a year's baptism. But at the avenue, we keep seeing God do great and mighty things that we can't explain. And so I silently prayed and said, God, 
50 would be a lot more fun. 50 would be a lot better revival. So I showed up this morning, we had 38 signed up. 38. And we had 10 spontaneous baptisms. So there are two baptisms in this room you didn't know you're supposed to get baptized. Or you might be an Ennis. But wherever you are, this is your moment. This is your time. We're going to baptize in these next few songs and you're going to get to see it and celebrate it. But I'm talking to those of you that need to get baptized right now. I want you to walk out the doors to my right. In both campuses, there are people ready to talk to you and to get you signed up online. Get online. Somebody will guide you through it. And we're going to baptize you in this service. And we're going to celebrate it together. And you're going to be obedient to God. You're going to bring God your first and your best. Stop bringing him your leftover. So if that's you today, when we stand up, don't hesitate. Just walk out this door. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much. You're an incredible God. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our worship. God, help us at this moment to say yes to you. God, help the prodigals in this room return to you. Help the disillusioned find that fire they once had. God, for those that have never experienced you, help them walk across that line. And when they do, help them follow you in obedience, in baptism, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Our hope is that this message inspires you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. We'd love to hear from you and get you connected on your journey. Visit theavenuechurch.com slash connect to get started. To hear the latest from us, don't forget to subscribe. See you soon.